0: Hello and welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, and our resident critic, Rihanna Dillon. I haven't given you any compliments this week. I know, I noticed.
1: No. No. Absolutely zero. No. Well, I deserve nil.
0: Well, it's what you've got. I don't know whether it's what you deserve. No, I think you're terrific. And you know, that's what I think. I don't need to keep saying it. <laughs> or maybe I do. do. I very Britain's insecure. leading critic of TV and screen. Rihanna Dillon is with us. And what do we have this week? I think this is a
1: real, this is a mixed bag and a half. This. Isn't it just? We've got Snowflake Mountain on Netflix, which has been out for a week or so. So hopefully some of you will have seen it already. We've got The Undeclared War on Channel 4. And it's the series that follows a team of techies working at gchq to avert a cyber attack we have adventure drama weepy don't make me go on amazon prime which i had to really fight for to review and yeah. delighted that we are covering it this week you
0: really really did go on and on and on about this and how <laughs> it was very important that we watched it so i did and i was more impressed than i expected yes. to be so there you go i
1: really am a john Cho. He, mega fan he's
0: very watchable actually yeah.
1: um and something that i have been dying to talk about ever since i first saw the trailer for it a very long time ago actually i don't think it was even the trailer i think it was just a shot you know those promo shots they put out got me very excited persuasion
0: yes now the, this is was it the no she did finish this novel it was the last jane Austen it was lady novel. susan
1: she didn't finish right. okay Yep. um which then became sanderton that's right oh yeah Unfortunately. Anyway, Persuasion with Dakota Johnson as Anne Elliott, and it's on Netflix, so you'll all be able to watch it. Yes.
0: Uh, and that is going to be something that I think excites quite a lot of comment. I don't know what Jane Austen experts or mad, mad mega fans are going to make of it,
1: because well, for a start, Young Dakota is not british <laughs> no so all those people that watched um, becoming jane yeah. which was the story of jane austen's life herself starring um anne hathaway famously, not British. Um, I think you might have some similar issues with Dakota Johnson's accent, but we'll get into all that in the review. Okay, that's all coming later. Now, um, every single week you
0: bring us just a burst of your star-studded life. So what have you got this week?
1: I spoke to Baz Lerman quite recently about, um, I was going to say, about Moulin Rouge. All I wanted to do was talk to him about Moulin Rouge. Is that in your top three favourite films? It's so weird. I just, I love it so much, but I would never necessarily think of it if people asked me what my favourite film is. And it's not a snobbery thing. It's just as soon as it's on, I think, I've got to watch this. It's brilliant. There's not a scene that I don't like. But I just, it never comes to mind. I sort of go a bit, I don't know, maybe it is a snobbery thing. I think it might be. It might be. Anyway, so this was talking about the new Elvis film. Elvis fan? Well, I remember when I was um, a kid on half
0: term, and they were the BBC would always show an Elvis film, right? Um, and he made so many films, yes, which don't seem to get shown. No, and anymore. also that
1: period in his life is really glossed over in this movie, which I oh, thought is was interesting. Yeah, okay. they literally do one. 30 second montage about the film that's his really, Hollywood era. That's really weird it's because strange. I do remember thinking as a child
0: that he was he was a beautiful man. I mm, mean mm-hmm. um, there were, I think it was it Blue Hawaii the film that he was in where he played a GI. Right. Anyway, just the the sight of him in his yes. uh, his uniform I and mean, the man was absolutely but to my horror I discovered I think it was only this week he dyed his hair.
1: Oh yeah, he was a blonde. I did not know that. Yeah. And is that in this film? I don't think it is, actually. I don't really remember. Maybe as a kid. So the film's about Colonel
0: Tom Parker and his relationship with Elvis? Yes, okay, exactly.
1: And it's Tom Hanks being this... I mean, his nationality is sort of left up to the imagination. I don't think he ever really admits to where he came from. So he's not American? no. Oh, I didn't know that Tom Parker, not Elvis, I'm talking about. Or Tom Hanks, yeah. Yeah, so it's a bit of an odd... uh, It's weird. It's, It's a weird angle. However, it does look beautiful. And also, it just made me remember how many Elvis songs I know and actually really like. And again, another snobbery thing, maybe. I would never, ever just sit and listen to Elvis, ever, in a million years. No. And yet, I was, you know, watching this film thinking... Actually, these are all phenomenal songs. (laughs) Really, really quite good. And Austin Butler, I mean, I'm probably preaching to the converted here, but um, Austin Butler plays... Elvis so incredibly well, and it does go a bit further than an impression. Although he does do a very good impression of Elvis.
0: Well, funny you mention Elvis because yesterday I was doing one of those um, one of those voiceover jobs
1: for. Oh, <laughs> I hope you got a lot of
0: money for it. Well, let's, well, we'll not discuss that in any detail. <laughs> but if anyone wants to email, they can find out. Um, no, it was for a Channel Five documentary oh. about. Dolly
1: Parton. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. amazing! That's the best news ever. Well, it's, I have to say, it's a very watchable little show. Oh this, that's so cool! Uh, with some Are you, amazing do you, clips. Do you do like your Sean Dooley impression
0: with these <laughs> enormous <laughs> gaps? No, I'm actually, if I say so myself, relatively pacey, right. I, and I give it the big sell. And it was it was quite a long three hours in that recording booth, Gosh. But, isn't it always? But anyway, um, I, I I really enjoyed it actually, and of course Elvis cropped up in this mm-hmm. documentary because. Colonel Tom Parker contacted the great Dolly and said, um, Elvis would like to record I Will Always Love You and he would like half the publishing rights, at least. Oh, wow! Dolly, who had her head screwed on then, so as much. now, said, not on your Nelly, <laughs> Colonel, uh, and didn't give them away. And of course, what a good decision that was, oh, Wow! because La Dolly has made a blooming fortune out of I Will Always Love You, Alone. She
1: is such an incredible woman. Yeah, she
0: oh, she actually is, and I, my admiration for her increased after yesterday. Yes, I mean, it so was, when
1: can we watch this channel oh, I five? Doc. I think
0: it's mid July. Oh I can't wait. I'm sure put it in my diary. I'll do. I think it's the 15th. Okay. Around that time. So okay, anyway. this is not a publicity um show for Channel 5 docs. No, but, but we are
1: uh, a TV. Yeah, no, absolutely. Podcast. And they do some
0: good stuff on Channel 5, as we've discussed before. Anyway, it's not all about me. I wish it was. That's probably another <laughs> podcast to be fair. Uh let's get st- Is that not your fortunate? Well, that's what it. I meant. That was the gag. <laughs> um, let's, well, it wasn't much before. No. OK, oh, God. Uh, let's get going with the reviews. Uh, first up this week is Snowflake Mountain. Um, people probably have a vague idea what that might mean, I guess,
1: from the title. Tell us more. So it's about a group of about 10 so-called snowflakes who are spoiled and whiny and have never worked a day in their life, apparently, who get dumped in the wilderness, supposedly against their will. They think that they're on their way to some incredible party villa or a huge yacht or something (laughs) like that. I'm not quite sure where. Uh, And then they realise that actually, no, they have been duped by their parents into going along into going on some sort of survival course. Yeah, I mean,
0: do you believe any of that? Absolutely not. No. Uh, but that's what we're told, anyway, that yeah. Snowflake Mountain is all about. A load of parents have got together and have sent their spoiled brats on what they've told them is a luxury break. But it's not. They're in the Lake District.
1: I need my foundation. I need my lip gloss. I need my highlights and my contour.
0: Snowflake. A young person who's considered overly emotional?
1: Easily offended. you guys. This is not okay. And dramatic. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my whole life.
0: There's a heap of young adults who can't even unload a dishwasher, let alone hold down a job. And these 10 snowflakes families have reached their breaking point. So they've tricked their giant babies into traveling far, far away to make them grow the
1: hell up.
0: Yes, that gives you just a flavour of Snowflake Mountain, which is filmed in the Lake District, isn't it? Oh,
1: is it? Yes. I was
0: trying to work it out. Yeah, no, I looked it up because I was interested. They don't actually say where it's filmed as far as I could make out. We're meant to believe it's some kind of wild... Mountainous wilderness, and indeed, it's beautiful. Um, but it is the Lake District well, that in does um, England.
1: Beg the question then, because these the majority of the contestants are American. Yeah. A bar two, I think, who are who are British. Mm. One from one very much from Kent, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but they keep talking about how they've been fooled into thinking they're going to a villa or some beautiful party island. Mm. So when they ended up in the UK, yeah. What do they think, really? I yeah. mean, they must know that the UK is not famed for its party villas in the sun. It's a little bit unfair on Morecambe, for example, where you can have a wonderful holiday, and indeed Southport, <laughs> uh, where the sun
0: beats down relentlessly. But you've got a point, and this is one of many problems I've got with Snowflake yes. Mountain, that we are meant to believe that they didn't know that this was the show they were taking part in. And also, I don't believe their families have tricked their so-called giant babies into They're traveling It's adults. A
1: no- nonsense. I mean, they are, and they are Adults, They're yes. all adults. They're all over I think the youngest is nineteen who then turns twenty very angrily yeah. during this whole experience. <laughs> yes. Worst birthday ever. And they have to they have to learn these sort of basic survival skills to drag them out of their entitled, spoilt mentality. Um, But luckily the 50 grand prize money kind of helps them make up their mind about whether or not to cut and run. Yeah,
0: now that that was the interesting part of this. There is money to be won. Of course there is, because how else would they make them stay? Well, how did they think they were going to win that money in a sun-drenched villa?
1: I mean, Love Island do it. Of course, (laughs) stupid me.
0: It's been hours since I watched off Island.
1: <laughs> Some of the challenges include skinning a deer, which I would have been so... Up for? I've always wanted to do a butchery course. I think I'd be so good at it. And to be fair, not many people say that.
0: No. <laughs> uh, Rihanna. I wasn't expecting you to. Um, <laughs> I'd be so up for it. I mean, her face lit up when you when she said it. That I used to ask for bookie. butchery
1: lessons for my birthday. I've never, never, never got them. But I <laughs> I'm what just a strange side you've revealed of yourself. Oh gosh, and it's not. You know, it's definitely not the hunt. I don't like the idea of a hunt or anything like that. Repels me. But I am a meat eater. Yeah, no,
0: and so am I. And
1: yeah. and so I. I just think the idea of preparing your own food like that is is there is something really appealing about it. Yeah. I mean, another thing I take issue with here. We'll just have to leave that little fetish of to <laughs> one side. I was just going to say that I'm really surprised that they didn't all step up to want to do it it's because it's quite a gung ho. Yes, but it wouldn't have made good telly if they'd oh, all yeah. gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll happily do it. No,
0: I don't know if you know anything about how television works. <laughs> um, also, they're not actually out in the
1: wilds. They are. I mean, it's effectively glamping. Yes, it is. What yeah. they're doing. It's not rough enough. We did this in Australia, you know, on, on, on our gap years. This is what, you know, <laughs> yes. you kind of go into these huts and you cook pasta and, <laughs> you know, it's pretty basic, but you're having a lovely time because yes. with your mates. And, I mean, basic
0: is as bad as it gets here, actually, yeah. and it's really not that basic.
1: I mean, the worst thing that apparently they have to do is wheel a a bin of... Yeah, and I couldn't. I can't remember if it was supposed to be their own or the sheep that's around there. I'm afraid I probably didn't delve enough into that. But I guess it's literally a wheelie bin. They have to wheel a bin and then just empty it into a trench that they've dug. Right. The impression
0: I got actually was that it was indeed um, what we call on radio for. Human excrement. Um, but also, I mean, that is, it's, it is is a reality. I, I
1: want to give the programme credit for at least acknowledging the fact that we do poo. Because we see somebody do it during the programme, which actually yes. I did think was a step too far. I don't think I needed to see this man bend over and spread his cheeks, actually. No, and, and I didn't either
0: need to <laughs> see that. Uh, but if you do need to see that, that's just something that Snowflake Mountain can
1: offer you. Did you actually buy the idea that the people taking part were growing during the course of it. Oh, God, give me a break. As if this is actually going to change their personality in any way. It really isn't, you know. And I think that's the problem with this. It it takes something which has become what memeable or you know the idea of a snowflake yes. and i just think it's really quite pathetic really and also you have these survival experts who are just two of the least charismatic men to be leading this there is nothing about them that makes me want to follow them into the woods yeah, i agree they are a pair of dullards these Aren't two they just yeah. i mean luckily there is a woman called cat who is on hand who is a wilderness motivational speaker expert. I mean, (laughs) she's got herself a bit of a niche there. It is niche, but I did quite
0: enjoy her input. No, she brought along a little bit of much-needed charisma, I would say. I think so.
1: And, you know, there are a special few out of this, this group who make it entertaining. Deandra, who sort of cheerleads... She was the one shrieking about her contouring makeup. She's... She kind of cheerleads from the side, doesn't yes. like to
0: take part. No, she <laughs> obliges, though, with, with enough histrionics to make up for the rest of them being oh, quite is, lacklustre. Yeah,
1: and Ray from Kent, who is who is pretty... I really liked her. Um, it's just... It's it's boot camp. Did you ever watch boot camp? No. Oh, you... Yeah. I think you would have probably threatened your kids with it. I think most parents oh, have threatened their did. kids yes. <laughs> with something like boot camp, which I used to love, where it re- it really was wayward teenagers who were taken into, actually, I think, really, really challenging scenarios. Much worse than this. This was sort of before, I think, new ideas of safeguarding came into being. Um, So it's that meets I'm a Celebrity, essentially, where they are put through challenges and have to win points for food.
0: Yeah, I mean, the difference between this and I'm a Celebrity is that in I'm a Celebrity you've heard of usually two contestants and the others you you come to know. Yeah. Uh, and in this you don't know any of them from Adam and I found myself not caring either. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Snowflake Mountain then it's available on Netflix
1: it's actually doing quite well isn't it it's popular um it's, it's just easy to watch isn't it it's just very easy to have on in the background certainly for some of the team here at uh, something yeah. else anyway but
0: intellectuals like <laughs> those of you who listen to this podcast probably won't be all that drawn to Snowflake Mountain available now <laughs> on Netflix yeah get me if you've got a spare half hour give it a whirl Now, for intellectuals such as the vast majority of you currently listening to the Radio Times podcast, let's move on to something that's very much more up our cul-de-sac. It's The Undeclared War, which is on Channel 4 at 9 o'clock on Thursdays. The first two episodes are out. They're available on all four. Episode 3 goes out on Thursday, July the 14th. Now, this is a very, very serious drama, Mm. isn't it? Written and directed by a man called Peter Kosminski, who's got real form.
1: Yes, he's ri- he's written um, things like Wolf Hall with Mark Rylance, who also makes an appearance yes, in does. this. Yeah. Um, and Brits with Riz Ahmed and various TV shows actually across the years. I have to admit, I'm, I had a look through the IMDb list. I don't think I've seen any of them. That's a shocking confession. I know, isn't it? And I was thinking, OK, brilliant, Peter Kuzminski. I know he's a fantastic writer. Show me what you got, Peter. And actually, (laughs) whole fire, I sense a bit of controversy coming. Look out, Peter Kuzminski.
0: It may be that (laughs) Rihanna Dylan doesn't rate you in the way you might expect. Um, We should say this is a a very, very serious drama with a a deadly serious and only too realistic uh, plot line, which Mm. is about a, a Russian cyber attack on the UK. And in this clip, um, a man called Danny Patrick, who is briefing his team on a cyber attack. He is the head of GCHQ, and he's played by Simon Pegg. Here we go.
1: Um, BT Openreach provides
0: the infrastructure for most of the UK's internet. At 9.07 this morning, whilst we were stress testing their systems, they experienced a partial shutdown impacting as far as we can tell about 55% of internet provision. Oh, Chrissy, have you met Max? He's our head of malware. Hi. How are you doing? Now, um, we're still checking, obviously, but so far it looks like National Grid's ICS is OK. Same with gas and water. Rail signalling is down. Are you so sure it's OK for me to be running.
1: here? Uh, but motorway
0: signals, and traffic Your traffic cleared, aren't are
1: you? Okay. Air traffic control is still up, but it seems most of the flights have stopped because they use the internet to control
0: aircraft on the ground.
1: So it's all told from the perspective, almost, of this girl who you hear then saying, yeah. Am I supposed, supposed be to be here? Because uh, she's there on work experience. I, mean, I that's... <laughs> I've got
0: you are right there are some holes in this plot um, and Hannah Khalik Brown who's a great actress she plays that character yes, Sarah Parvin I've
1: not seen her before and actually she looks so much like my cousin I had a real soft spot for her the whole way through I was like oh, oh God so if you want to get in Rihanna's
0: good books look like one of her cousins um, which you know it's, it's all right for the likes of Hannah but it might be a challenge for other people anyway Simon Pegg for example is like Simon Pegg um, I yes okay I mean that was the bit that I was thinking oh no this because I First of all, first of all, I went. Oh, yeah, to you
1: did. Did you that, moved, Irish or I've American? To the
0: West Country, I think, <laughs> um, because I was so excited. I'm not sure you can do work experience at GCHQ. I mean,
1: I went to. I worked at a vegan cafe for my work experience. Did you have? <laughs> did you have work experience when you were? Hasn't even been invented. <laughs> In fact, I think I'm doing it now.
0: Um, some would say I've been doing it for thirty years. And I'd have some sympathy with that. No, I mean that's bizarre to me that a young woman, she is she's very gifted. She's at university. I and think she's, she's at Imperial do- College in London, so she knows her stuff.
1: But- yes, she's had to do an aptitude yes. test to get into this. She's been vetted. It's not just like she got assigned to sure. CHQ. But I still think it's really
0: <laughs> odd that she would be privy to such major, major bits of quite complicated information yeah. of a very, very high security sort of level <laughs> on day one. Anyway, um, that's what we're told uh, has happened. And what is it you didn't like about this? Because I've watched, I think, three or four episodes now yeah. and I have
1: been utterly drawn in. No, do you know what? I I did enjoy this a lot. I just really wish they'd leaned into this being much more of a teenage sort of mystery why why would you say that because this this is a young woman of sort of indeterminate age well she's at uni so she's 20 21 i was trying to figure it out because we kind of see her at college and then we then they talk about her then going to university and so i'm not quite sure where in that spectrum she lands but anyway she's still not a fully fledged adult out into the world so i think you know i can take that as a young person it's it's quite ya in that She is a bit like Nancy Drew going to solve this mystery that actually everyone above her should have been able to solve quicker. (laughs) Well, and she
0: actually embarrasses other people by spotting something in the code that everybody else has missed
1: which is absolutely fine and, that, and that's what I mean I think it feels that all feels quite fantastical and I think that's quite an exciting thing for for a YA you know that's what it's all about it's about putting well, why teenagers front and centre sure uh, but I
0: don't see why that means the rest of us can't enjoy a plot of this nature because oh, sh- yeah I mean, but- I, I've got to say I think this plot is it's it's very very timely Because there probably hasn't ever been a time when we've been so vulnerable Mm. to this sort of thing. And hearing, you know, that little bit of of the clip there from Simon Pegg's character, Danny Patrick, he just describes the impact of the cyber attack Mm. on the infrastructure, on things like railway signalling, air traffic control. Hospitals. Your heart absolutely, you Mm -hmm. think, oh, my goodness, this would and what I think is interesting about this show is that it doesn't focus on the impact of the cyber attack on the outside no. world. I don't know whether they just didn't have the money to show the impact out there, because the scenes certainly in the first episode are all set at GCHQ and Cobra meetings and everyone's relatively calm, mm. aren't they? But, but I mean there must be Mayhem
1: on the streets. I suppose we don't even need to see that because our imagination does the work. Because we okay. have seen what happens at airports when things shut down. We've seen that in recent weeks. We've seen the cues. Yeah. We've seen the baggage. You know, we understand the impact of that. We've seen what happens when hospitals are overwhelmed for whatever reason. So it's almost like they don't need to go into all of that because we know we've seen it. It is a reality for us, whether or not it's from a cyber attack or not. So I think that, that's very clever, actually, because it is giving us a new perspective. But to be honest, it just felt what I was saying about Peter Kozminski's writing is that it just feels quite childlike in its storytelling. It's It's quite, I mean, I said to Mike, oh, it's quite famous fivey in a way, which was not an insult. I love the famous five. And then I opened, um, I read Lucy Mangan's review of it this morning in The Guardian and she literally said, it's an Ina Blyton Story, do you know? I think that's harsh. Um, I well, I've perhaps watched a bit more of it than you. I've know. seen two. I've only seen two episodes. Okay.
0: Well, we we actually travel with one of the characters um, into Russia and okay. see his a bit about his upbringing and how he's ended up working for the Russians mm-hmm. in Britain even though he isn't fully invested he's there slightly against well more than slightly against his will it's it's complicated and i think it's going to get more complicated mm-hmm. and i am 100% in
1: great i really am that's amazing that i there's some it's really difficult to make a show about computing. Oh, it and totally is. I think yeah. that's that's something that they do something really fun. And again, this is what I mean about it's. It oh yeah, just explain young. that because this is so, clever. Yeah, so they've tried to make coding cool by having Sarah in a mind palace of sorts, a bit like. Benedict Cumberbatch and Sherlock. She's almost like a computer game character. Well, with we, her, we go inside her thinking. Yes, with her utility yeah. belt, which can open any door or deal with any obstacle. Which I, I did really like that, and I'd rather watch that than a string of letters and numbers going across the screen while she tap tap taps away at her computer, which we do see glimpses of. But it's a quite a clever way of drawing us into. It's a bit like Inception. You suddenly yeah. have her walking along, and then a door appears, and she has to figure out a way of getting through this. And so she uses something she uses a hammer or a spanner and actually of course that's just her figuring out the coding yeah, she is actually just sitting at a yes. laptop and yeah. that's that's all really cool and but i do think it's quite young well, if we get the cool stuff can go to the old people that's too fair, no i i think what i mean is it then tries to have its cake and eat it because then it goes really serious and tr- you know we go into the cobra boardroom with adrian lester the prime minister who apparently ousted Boris Johnson in a bloody coup. I thought, well, yeah, hilarious, because this is set two years in the future. Yes, yeah. And all of that is just incredibly po-faced. And then on the flip side, you have Simon Pegg being like, oh, yeah, but look at our work experience woman. She was the one who found this rake, you know? She's the one who's figured this whole thing out. And they're going... Why have you let her work it? What? (laughs) I I, I thought that was
0: another of the politicians around the Cobra table, just saying, yeah, because that's great, but hang on, the rest of you are quite highly paid, supposedly the best in the business. Why didn't you spot it? Yes,
1: which is a fair enough question. You sort of think Simon Pegg's character as head of GCHQ would have seen that coming a mile off and wouldn't have done, I mean, he makes some quite stupid suggestions and is also a very nice boss, which I'm sorry, I just don't really believe. Well, can I say, it's at this point that I've got to
0: shoehorn in the Pulsating fact. <laughs> I've been waiting for this—that I've been to GCHQ, which is <gasps> Have where you, James? Yes, which is where the first episode is set. And I should say, I don't I haven't seen the whole thing, so I don't know whether it goes back to GCHQ. But certainly, the first episode—I'm sure it will—is set there. Yeah. And I actually think they've got it—they've um, got it spot on, from what mm. I remember of mm-hmm. the four or five hours I spent there. It does look like the place I visited and in fairness to the people at GCHQ and I obviously didn't meet everyone they were an astonishing I mean we should say in case anybody doesn't know, GCHQ is this huge building in Cheltenham and it's the Government Communications Headquarters. It is bristling with tech and with exactly the sort of people who they show in the Undeclared Mm. War. People in check shirts with lanyards. I mean I remember a time when you could go to work and you didn't have to wear a lanyard. <laughs> it's quite, I mean, it's a long time ago, but I do remember it. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. There are, but but the, to be fair, they are much more diverse as a group of people than this program. Shows
1: they call them a stale, pale, and male, yeah. And I
0: don't think that's
1: based on the people I saw that day.
0: Mm, There were a lot of women, and they were certainly not all white. Mm -hmm. Um, and because um, Britain's diversity is one of the great things about it, and also means we have this extraordinary cross section of abilities in Britain Mm -hmm. you know, from the very, very young people, and there were some really young people working there, really, uh, to very old, venerable types like the character. (laughs) mathematician played in The Undeclared War by Mark Rylance. Mm. So I've got to say, it was it was an, a, an interesting visit, mine. And I should say, this is not that unusual. They do do media visits for people.
1: Yeah, you're not special, Jane.
0: No, no, I know. I'm very well aware I of that. I mean, I've I'm never had a letter
1: in my pigeonhole, but... Well... Because I don't have a pigeonhole. You don't
0: possibly You need to get a pigeonhole <laughs> and put it somewhere prominent and await developments. And I should say as well, GCHQ is not a secret. Its existence yes, is not a secret. No, it's of signposted off one of the many roundabouts in Cheltenham. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, People know it's there, um, so I kind of I'd love to know how they got so much detail about the place because they do. I think, well, on maybe the whole, Peter
1: Kozminski's been there. Perhaps he has. Maybe he was there the day you were. You didn't know about it. My God, I don't like to think of anybody else going in there. <laughs> secretly. I've always thought it was just me. Um, well, I do. I that does kind of give me give me hope. Everything you're saying about it because I am genuinely enjoying it, I, but I do think it's a bit silly, and that's okay. Um, I there was moment in episode one which really did break my heart though and made me go on really cry well it's about her relationship with her father who's played by Nitin Ganatra and it's it's just very moving and it's sad and it's it's a, it's a really difficult one. You know, She she this girl, Sarah just feels like she doesn't really have anyone to speak to or turn to. And then suddenly Mark Rydance pops up as a potential father figure for her. It's all very convenient and it's all very on the nose. However, I am definitely going to keep watching. Yeah, I, I think you've been a little too hard on The Undeclared it's, War. Do you know what? It's because I really like it and so I'm holding it to account a little bit for those... Those other bits, because I think it could have been even better. Yeah. Um, And I think there were a few missed opportunities, but I'm definitely enjoying it. And it's different, it's fun to watch.
0: And I think a lot of people listening will be comforted by the fact that in 2024, Boris Johnson has been ousted by the actor Adrian Lester. (laughs) So, um, yes, things. Have got a little better by the time 2024 rolls around. Um, give it a whirl, The Undeclared War, if you haven't already done so. You may agree with Rihanna that perhaps it is all a little bit YA and too up its own fundament in some ways. I thought it was good and I will most certainly continue watching, as you will as well, to be fair. Coming up, you'll hear our thoughts on the new Netflix version of the Jane Austen novel Persuasion. But first, our review of Don't Make Me Go. It comes your way on Amazon Prime on the 15th of July. Bit of time to wait. But before we hear a clip from the trailer, what's this about, Rihanna? Rihanna.
1: So John Cho plays the single father of a teenage daughter and he gets diagnosed with a brain tumour, which, if left unoperated on, gives him a year to live. So he takes his daughter on a road trip across America, ostensibly to go to a school reunion, but really with the hope of reuniting her with her estranged mom. OK. So oh. you already know it's going to be a bit of
0: a tearjerker. Oh, and, it's, and it certainly is. Let's hear a bit of that uh, clip from the trailer then.
1: There's one option, but the operation is risky. So when are you having the surgery? I don't know. How do I tell my daughter? I'm kinda it for her. So how are you? Let's go somewhere. We've never taken a real road trip together.
0: No way, it's the rest of summer. We're going. I will be miserable
1: the entire time. I will teach you to drive on the way. If you have a good attitude for real, I'll let you get behind the wheel. If you promise to never do that again, ever. I will never ever do it again. Get out! All right, good. are going to see so much good stuff driving. When you look back on this trip, I want you to
0: remember you and me spending time together, not you waiting for your boyfriend to call. That sets it up rather nicely, actually. Um, there they are then, father and daughter. She's at that difficult age. Um, from my own experience, it goes from about 13 and a half to... I'm guessing 27, 28. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Communication's not always easy at that time. No, And it's particularly difficult, I imagine, for fathers and daughters.
1: Yes, I think it's fair to say it was quite for me and my dad when I was a teenage teenage girl. And his... So John Cho's daughter in this is played by Mia Isaac. And actually, I just think she is so natural in this. She's very good. She's so sweet. And they do have a lot of rows, But what I really loved about her was that she didn't really sulk. They weren't really extended moments of them just being angry or silent or sulking with each other. And actually, that's so incredibly rare to see a film about a teenage girl where they don't just go off and have mood swings all of the time. Because when they do get angry with each other, which is quite often, it genuinely feels quite reasonable from both side. Yes, you can always see both sides. Yeah, I and I, yeah. I think that their way of communicating is actually really quite healthy and she, he always tries to make her laugh and to her credit she always laughs at her dad's stupid jokes. She likes
0: him really, doesn't she? She loves
1: him and yeah. I think that doesn't come through enough in shows about these sorts of relationships because we've all seen programs or films where it looks like they hate each other and they scream and they're so resentful of each other. And of course, there is an ele- there are elements of that that bubble under. I think in any relationship, but this just this actually felt like a really refreshing beautiful portrayal of a father and daughter relationship considering that they have been pretty much alone just yeah. those two for their entire lives you don't really get a sense of there being any other mother figure in the no in the family or Any extended family, they don't seem to have their aunties or anything like that. Well, certainly aren't shown those people, you're quite right. He does have female friends, doesn't he? He does. So he, in the show, he is in a sort of relationship with Kaya Scodelario, who was Effie in Skins. So that in itself is quite... Huh? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to see her in that I think she so she's 30 he's 50 They're, they do mention that there's an age gap between them in this um, but also John Cho is so incredibly youthful looking <laughs> it's... he is he's, I've, I didn't really know much about him and I, I enjoyed watching
0: him which is a strange thing to say but oh I, I enjoy watching him yeah, as well Jane I've, I know I just found him very um, effortless and um, there are interesting bits in this film where you think that terrible things are going to happen yeah And they don't, you know, Mia Isaac's character is called Wally, which is strange. I think her full name is Wallace. Yeah, very American. Yeah, it is. Her dad calls her (laughs) Wally. I'm not sure a British film would have have called a female character Wally, actually. But anyway, they they do. And uh, she's very good. And there are scenes where she gets involved with with young boys and um, happily, nothing Terrible ever does I was, happen. I know,
1: I was just really holding my breath. So was I on a couple of occasions, yeah. but of
0: course, the major- vast majority of um, teenage adventuring does pass off without incident. Yeah. Um, You'd you know, hope. You, well, and, and it's true. Statistically, it's true, thank goodness. I know that, you know, what we know about rape and all the rest of it, and it's hideous, but it doesn't always happen. No. And so, and thank goodness, you can watch this knowing you will not be yeah. uh, subjected to a har- harrowing portrayal yes. of a sexual assault.
1: That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. And
0: I think I'd like to sort of say to someone, if they want to watch it or advise their kids to watch it, you're on safe territory, yes, aren't you?
1: That's fair enough. It has been lovely to see John Cho's journey, actually, as an actor, because I think he, you know, I first watched him in American Pie, where he's oh literally God. just chanting, MILF, 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 about he, Stifler's he's mom. so much more
0: sophisticated <laughs> it's, now.
1: It's so funny to think about. That's where he kind of started. And then he's done films like um, Searching since then. He's been in Star Trek. And, you know, he's now pe- playing this very caring, suave <laughs> dad. I really fancy John Cho, in case that's not coming through. Yes, I think it slightly has, I have um, to say. I I think this is a really gorgeous film, and I'm really glad that we. I'm really glad that even though it's. We're kind of anticipating it being a very sad film, that doesn't take away from the journey of actually what a beautiful kind of experience it was to spend time with these characters. We're in
0: danger of spoiling something here. I should say it is a sad film, um, and
1: you will cry. Also, I felt like it had a quality about it that just felt so considered. It didn't feel cheap at any point. It didn't feel really manipulative, actually. Um, Yeah, I just think this is... I'm really glad we're talking about it. Okay, it has real
0: charm. If I was going to be critical, I'd say probably 10 minutes too long.
1: Yeah, fair. Possibly
0: 15 minutes too long. I mean, Mike did come
1: in going, oh, my God, are you still watching this film? Mike is the world's worst (laughs) critic.
0: I know he's big into horror, but the man's so insensitive at times you're still watching this and rihanna's got tears coursing down her teeth <laughs> <laughs> so upset too fair i had paused it um a few times So okay i watched the whole thing in one big digestible chunk and i did wander a bit like i said i did feel it was perhaps a bit flabby at times but honestly yeah. it did make me cry yeah. and it takes a lot to do that really yeah. so i would yeah i would pretty unhesitatingly recommend this Good old John Cho. It's Don't Make Me Go. It's on Amazon Prime from the 15th of July. Finally then to Persuasion, another film, this one starring Dakota Johnson and it's another Netflix film uh, dropping on the 8th of July.
1: Now um, Persuasion, what is this? (laughs) I really like the idea that neither of us really know about Persuasion. It's our favourite Jane Austen. Of course it is. So it's the story of Anne Elliot who has lost her bloom after she was persuaded to reject her love interest. The penniless sailor, Frederick Wentworth so she's just existing in single limbo with her self-absorbed family until years later (laughs) Captain Frederick Wentworth comes back on the scene here's a clip I almost got married once there were no two souls more in rhythm than Wentworth and I and I was persuaded by my family to give him up my father exquisite jawline he's never met a reflective surface he didn't like my sisters
0: i'm just too kind and that's my problem i give all of my attention to others and then i suffer for it where are your children how should i know i would have been a far happier woman in keeping him than i have been in giving him up it's been seven years Eight, darling at some
1: point you have to
0: move on i love this story so much i i love the story so much but we're not talking about that we're talking about yes. this netflix bridgertonized version <laughs> of Jane Austen.
1: <laughs> it is a it's a very modern rom-com. So Dakota Johnson as you heard there doing her best stab at a British yeah, accent. I, I actually think you're being very picky.
0: I think her accent is okay.
1: I mean it's not, but it's fine. I got over it. I don't I think you're absolutely wrong there, but I did get over it. I think you you can move past that because Dakota Johnson is a great actress mm. and you can forgive it because it's not trying to be incredibly traditional. It's it's set in the right period, yeah, yeah, but it's very much modern vernacular. So, in in the trailer, people were in uproar because she talks about her ex as being Captain Winter. We also see her very early on swigging wine from a bottle. Oh my goodness, she's an alky <laughs> It's great. It's just, it's just such a funny portrayal of Anne Elliot. She's not an Anne Elliot that I recognise or is even necessarily taken from the book. She's a lot more brash. Yeah. She's she's quite out. You know, Anne Elliot is supposed to be a fairly shy... Yes, reticent, hiding a light under a bushel. Exactly. But also very lovely. Everyone loves Anne. Um... And in this, she's actually quite prickly and can be quite... Or and yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, she's on the shelf, you see. She- <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, she's, is she 20, 27? 28, uh, yeah. something like that. And um, I, what I cannot stand about this film, and film's uh, uh, not the only film to have done this, we're supposed to believe other people describe her or she describes herself as plain.
1: Ugh. And yeah. you just
0: think, no, no, that's just silly because everyone watching knows that she's radiantly beautiful. Yeah. Can we just stop this? I wish they'd stop doing this. I know. It's I, so
1: infuriating. Which is, I suppose is why it's easier when it's literature because you can make it up in your head yeah. about how plain or not she is. Right. And when her bloom comes back about what impact that might have on her features. Yeah, quite. <laughs> um, so Cosmo Jarvis plays... Frederick Frederick. So yes. I know him from Calm with Horses and he was also in Lady Macbeth. What's Calm with Horses? Oh, it's this brilliant Irish film um where he plays a uh, a sort of gangster member but quite unwilling. He's like the brute. He's called he's literally called Arm in it. So it's a very different role for him. Very different. Yeah. Um what did you think of Captain Frederick Wentworth? He was certainly brooding. Yeah. But he wasn't quite
0: enigmatic enough for me. I agree. He's a little bit too open. <laughs> and I always thought Captain Wentworth was a more distant, haughtier figure. Somebody made cold by the rejection yeah. that Anne had given him. Mm-hmm. And, and also the fact that Anne was advised to dump him, because he was he wasn't considered rich enough. It was as simple as that, yeah. wasn't it really? Yeah. Um but she's still very close to Lady Russell, who is the character who advised her.
1: Mm. To persuaded not, her. Yeah. yeah, persuaded
0: her not to, not to take a chance on it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I thought there was some... I mean, I love the fact that uh, it was a diverse cast. I, do, I mean, I, it's still... I'm of an age where it still gladdens my heart when I see it because I'm not used to seeing it. Yes. And you, you so don't care. You, you sort of... I do know. I'm not... I'd be lying if I said I didn't, didn't notice. But then I forget. Yeah. Although I've just remembered now, so I don't know what that tells you. But it, it doesn't matter what anybody looks like as long as they're good at the role
1: I agree because Doc Brown plays um, the husband yeah. of is it Henry his character yes who plays hen- um husband of Mary yeah. the very whiny younger sister she's astonishingly she's, irritating but she's brilliant in this I think they do such a great job of modernising Mary because I think that's exactly what she would be like she's sort of she's an Empath, complete with vocal fry. She wants to learn to love herself. Oh gosh, she's. I just think it's fantastic. She's fantastically awful. (laughs) That is good, actually. Yes, you're right. And I, you know, I and yeah, you're right. They. It's a dual heritage relationship. The children are dual heritage. Um, so all of that, I just, I genuinely think, is really, really refreshing and lovely to see. It's also much more comedy heavy persuasion than I was expecting it to be. There's a lot of genuine slapstick in this. (laughs) A lot of like falling over and. I don't know, having silly hair or jam on her face and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a gentle humour about it. We should also say that uh, Sir Walter Elliot,
0: who is a very vain father (laughs) of Anne, is played by Richard E. Grant, who was a man born, I would say, to play Sir Walter Elliot. And I liked him in this.
1: Yes, it was Anthony Head who played him in the TV version with... um, Rupert Penn oh, he Jones. He was good too, to and, be fair. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair. I thought he was maybe marginally better, but, oh, just, okay. in a di- but just in a different film. It's yeah. you know, they had different sensibilities, I suppose. Mm. If, but I did really enjoy it. I think uh, you just have to remove yourself from all of the traditions that we think yeah, of when we think it, of Austin. But well, we do the truth is we now think about a BBC adaptation yes.
0: and you, you let that go, yeah, I would say. I agree. But my top tip, if I'm honest, would be to save this for one of those days <laughs> between Christmas and New Year. When the rallies, if they've been at all, have gone. And you've got the sofa <laughs> to yourself, it's hardly ever light. You can open a box of chocolates, make yourself a big, big mug of tea, and settle down and watch the watch the sleet fall and just absorb yourself in this. Yeah. I- Treat yourself, but don't rush into it now. And
1: don't take it too seriously. No, don't because do Because it doesn't take itself too seriously. And I think that's a really good thing because we have been moaning for quite a long time about the sort of staid, stuffy period dramas that we seem to churn out. And this is trying to do something different and I do applaud it for that. Yeah, I do too. And I think a lot of people will enjoy it. Yeah, don't go in intending to carp.
0: Because yeah. if you, if you can, I'm sure you can get hold of the BBC version yeah. of Persuasion. If you Got can. Got it get on hold DVD. It, well, there you go. Enjoy. <laughs> but give this one a whirl. It's worth seeing. It's Persuasion with Dakota Johnson. Cosmo Jarvis. I mean, there's a <laughs> there's a British thespian name for you. He is British, <laughs> isn't he? I actually really love that D- name, yeah.
1: Cosmo, Cosmo Jarvis. Cosmo
0: Jarvis. And Richard E. Grant, amongst many others. Um, it's Netflix's version of Jane Austen's novel Persuasion. It drops on the 8th of July.
1: Oh, and Henry Golding is in it from Crazy Rich Asians. And I think, actually, where he wasn't so brilliant in that film, he is a lot of fun here as Mr. Elliot, who is the... Husband. Rake, the rake. Oh no, that's in right. this, the yeah, the very naughty boy. It's a lot raunchier as well than other adaptations.
0: Well, when you say raunchy, there's no actual action. is Oh, well, there? there's a lot of snogging, Jane. There is a lot of snogging, as as um as Rihanna has just <laughs> said. <laughs> so that's I, I'm picturing you all 28th of July, not. 28th of December, you've got your tracksuit bottoms on, (laughs) crumbs all over your sweatshirt top, and you're watching the snogging on Persuasion. It's what Jane Austen would surely have wanted in that drafty old vicarage. Right, um, Correspondence Corner, what have you got?
1: Hi Rihanna and Jane. Loving your weekly podcast and all of your recommendations on what to watch. I'm British, living in Canada for the past 20 years and in my last year living here. Yippee! Before we return to semi retire back in England in Devon, near to our lovely daughter Lauren. This is from Jocelyn. Your show recommendations are a huge boost to my mental health and well-being as I wait so patiently before returning home to England. Love, 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 Loot! Such an easy, feel-good show. Thank you. I would also like to recommend Good Luck to You Leo Grande which is Emma Thompson's best yet and an absolute must viewing for all women and partners too in midlife yeah you've seen that haven't you I loved I recommended it to you yes you did It is. I will watch it Jocelyn you are absolutely right it is a phenomenal film all about talking about sex in a very frank, open way, which I think is really important. Love the show, both of you, and thank you for joining me weekly as I walk around the local vineyards here. Keep up the great podcasting, please. Kind regards Jocelyn kind regards Jocelyn that's thank you that's so lovely yeah
0: it's really kind of you Jocelyn thank you very much and uh, may you have a lovely lovely semi-retirement in Devon oh
1: what a gorgeous place to move from vineyards oh. in Canada to Devon I mean best of both
0: worlds it doesn't sound like a bad life you've got going on there Jocelyn um, well I hope you have a great time when you're back here It'd be lovely to be close to your daughter as well I'm sure now um, let's have the quiz of the week with a fanfare OK, it's from me to you this week. Are you braced?
1: Me to you. Sorry, we are the podcasting Chuckle Brothers. Yeah. Oh, I missed the Chuckle Brothers. Aww. Yeah. Never mind. Um, well, I say never, never mind.
0: mind. I mean, Obviously, it's a huge blow to many <laughs> R.I.P., the- in yes. fact, is <laughs> what I really meant. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so callous. Right. Guess the year from these TV and popular culture clues, Rihanna. Mm. Here's your first clue. Girls Aloud singer Cheryl Cole is revealed as Sharon Osbourne's replacement as a judge on The X Factor. Here is a clip of her being very honest to her. Hopeful contestant.
1: You need one more? Uh, I'm going to say no. OK, Simon, I'm sorry. Why are you sorry? I'm sorry I didn't impress him. I really wanted to impress Simon. He was the most important person for me to impress. No. Cheryl, that's not
0: fair. <sighs> Please change. You know, it's a lot of it to do with what you say in the room. No, that's not fair. Come on. No, no not really, honestly.
1: I think that's fair enough, to be honest. If someone comes in and says... Everyone else is not as important as this one person. Those other people are going, all right, bugger off then. Well, perhaps it was insensitive of her. On the other hand, wasn't she right?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Well, Simon Simon was the person they needed to impress. Whether you like Simon or not, he was the person that they needed to impress.
1: Well, they didn't necessarily need to
0: impress him. Well, look, we can argue about this all day. I actually, I think Cheryl's got a flippin' cheek describing somebody else as not very likeable based on what she's got in her locker. But anyway... Um, <laughs> I agree with that. Carol Vorderman announces in this year that she'll quit as the host of Countdown. Oh, no. Two days after Des O'Connor announced his intention to leave the show. Oh, no. Vorderman's manager said that she didn't think she could go through the process of bonding with another co-presenter. Can I say, I know myself, that bonding with a co-presenter is exhausting. We found it very difficult, <laughs> it didn't, didn't we? I ta- can't I can't. The strain has been unimaginable. <laughs> anyway, all this. So I'm with <laughs> (laughs) you, Carol. Uh, All this drama on Countdown made the ITN news.
1: After 26 years, more than 4,500 shows and a huge many more vowels and consonants, Carol Vorderman is to appear for the final time on Countdown. The woman, famed for her mathematical wizardry, has been the show's numbers queen since the programme first aired on Channel 4 in 1980. Countdown, in fact, is about numbers as well as letters, and we figure we've got a pretty good figure ruling that part of the game. Meet our vital statistician, Carol Vorderman. She's a Cambridge graduate. And since then, we've seen Carol's various on-screen transformations throughout her time on the show, those hairstyles and, of course, those fashions.
0: Carol Vorderman, everybody. (laughs) You've got a story about Carol? Yeah, you have, but we won't be hearing it. (laughs) No, it's not my story to tell. Okay, and final clue with a clip... Barack Obama took office following a decisive victory over the Republican nominee, John McCain, in the presidential election.
1: 11 p.m. on the East Coast. We're back on the air and we have news. There will be young children in the White House for the first time since the Kennedy generation. Barack Obama, in our view, President-elect of the United States of America.
0: Barack Obama is projected to be the next president of the United States of
1: America. Barack Obama, 47 years old, will become the president-elect of the United States.
0: I'm looking at you because you should know what year Barack Obama won the american election i, I always remember.
1: get slightly confused yeah, because, because they, they change yeah. in the next
0: year yeah, it does. sorry but you know it was the november of was anyway it, they no they... final clues films of that year i will not be interrupted okay, sorry. Very sorry, James, sorry, films of the year this is what i mean about bonding is so <laughs> hard this is why i have to go for a lie down uh, films of the year include the dark knight with christian bale and heath ledger disney pixar's wally and the Curious Case of Benjamin Button with Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett. Oh God! I was
1: talking to Mike about this film the other day about how dreadful it was. Um, yeah, it's one of those overrated. It really was. Makeup was really challenging oh, kind of God. films, and that's just such a weird story. Yeah, anyway, there you go. The Dark Knight was fantastic. Now, okay, look. Okay was it? Now, wait, was it two thousand and six? Is that your final answer?
0: Yes. Well, it wasn't. It was two thousand and eight.
1: Oh my god, look, I wrote two thousand and eight! Yeah, down. I can see that you've written it down, but you didn't say it. No, because I doubted myself. Okay. With, well, I thought the duck night came out a bit. Okay. Yeah, well Hopeless. I did write it down, everybody who's screaming at me about not knowing my politics. Rihanna is a trier. That's something
0: I if I was writing your school report, that's what I'd say. <laughs> she tries hard every week. <laughs> well done-ish, Rihanna, for being only two years out the year Barack Obama won the American... I wrote
1: it? I mean, I literally wrote yeah, down 2008. Yeah, I've seen it.
0: She did. She did write down. The American presidential election. The answer, the correct answer, was 2008. If you want a list of the programmes we've talked about today and where to find them, go to the episode notes wherever you get your podcast. Do follow to get episodes as soon as they come out. And if you want to subscribe to the wildly best-selling Radio Times magazine, you need to go to buysubscriptions.com slash Times. Don't forget, Smart TV is a bite-sized weekly podcast which brings you the best of what to watch and anything we might have missed Um, for the next month it's going to be hosted by the Radio Times writer Kellyanne Taylor now we're taking a break from the podcast from today but we really hope to be back with you very soon. The Radio Times podcast is produced by
1: something else. And who's it for? It's for immediate media
0: thanks to everybody for listening take care.
1: Thank you so much